You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. that either, but he's, he's here this morning, and I want to just turn it over to him and introduce Moses to you this morning. Shalom. It is a privilege to be with you this morning. I've been asked to come and, and share about one day in, of my life, and so I I honor the Lord by being glad to do that and what happened to me that day and what happened to me perhaps can happen to you as well. But in order to tell you about that one day, I need to go back a little bit more in my personal history so you can see why it came about as it did. My name is Moshe Bar Amram, which in your tongue would be Moses, son of Amram, although I did not get to know my parents very little, and most of what I learned about them I gathered from my sister and brother years later. For you see, I was not brought up by my parents. I was brought up in a palace in Egypt. For the first 40 years of my life, I was a prince. I had the best accommodations, the best education, the best food, servants to do all my bidding. In many ways, my life was the best of anyone on earth, except for one thing. Not too many people liked me. I don't want to dwell on that point, but keep in mind, my name is Moses, which in, in, it sounds in the Hebrew like the word for it, drawn out. You might remember that there had been a policy made after my brother Aaron was born that male children born among the Hebrew slaves were to be thrown into the river and drown. My mother did not want to do that, so they put me in a basket. The Hebrew word is ark, a little, little basket, and stuck me in the river. And, and I don't want to talk about that story today, but just to say I was saved from that death by the daughter of Pharaoh. And so she decided to name me Moses because the Hebrew word uh, that means drawn out sounds much like that. And the Egyptian word that sounds a lot like that means water son. And so I was the son from the water that got drawn out. And whenever my stepbrothers in the palace would want to talk, they would talk derogatorily to me because I was just a Hebrew. I might be dressed like an Egyptian and called prince, but I was looked down on by some of the other Egyptians. And the Hebrew people would have little to do with me because I was one of them, not one of them. This tension brought much to my mind, and I was 40 years old when the climax came. And I was watching from a distance at some of the workers, the slaves working. And the taskmaster was there with just one as the rest moved on. And he was there 
having his fun that day beating on a Hebrew. So as I drew closer, thinking, this is so wrong. And I had never taken a stand for my God. And I look around, and nobody's watching, including the Egyptian, because he's over here, face the other way, beating on, on that, that Hebrew. And I'm thinking, nobody can see, so it might be safe to do this. And I hit him. The unconscious Hebrew is laying there, and now the, Egypt, the unconscious Hebrew is laying there. Now the Egyptian is laying next to him, and I'm realizing I might have hit him too hard. He's dead. But nobody, nobody knows, so I can get away with this, right? But no, I did not. When I tried to break up an argument with a couple of Hebrews soon after that, they turned to me and said, oh, you're going to lord it over us, huh? You're a murderer and you're telling us not to fight? When I realized that someone had observed that, I knew that I could not stay there anymore. If word of this should get to the authorities, prince or no prince, there'd be a warrant out for my arrest for the charge of murder. And so I ran. I ran all the way east across Egypt and escaped into the Sinai Peninsula in the land of Midian, not knowing what to do. I now had left everything behind. I had no pleasure, no wealth, no servants, no future. I happened upon a family that I could help, a man named Jethro, a priest at Midian, and, and I lived with them by their grace, and he let me stay there, ended up giving me his daughter Sapur as a wife. And so I spent the second 40 years of my life working for my father-in-law, who was about my age. Now, what I was doing was being a shepherd. I'm guessing that most of you here, you've never been shepherds. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. Being a shepherd means you spend a lot of time with sheep. Sheep are lousy conversationalists with a low IQ and very little courage, and they need a whole lot of support. And so there I am, doing my job, earning my living, I guess you could say, but I didn't earn much. I just broke even because his sheep are taken care of. I owned no sheep of my own. So after 40 years, I'm still a shepherd. I'm now about 80 years old. And you know, after you've been, I don't know what jobs you might have, but most of them, after a while, you might get promoted. When you're a shepherd, there's, there's no promotion. You're just still a shepherd. And so I'm looking back this day I want to talk to you about. I'm looking back at how my life has been. I had everything for 40 years, and then I've got nothing except responsibility for some sheep. And this day, one of them wandered off, climbing up the mountain. Most of the time, they won't do any work they don't have to do. So I follow after, because that's my job, follow after the sheep. And as I'm getting closer up here on the slopes of a place called Sinai, in the Horeb Range, I'm getting close, and I see something I've, I've not seen before. Now, I've been there 40 years. I've seen it all, I thought. 
up there there's a, there's a bush. I've seen bushes before. But it's on fire. Now, to be honest, I've seen bushes on fire before. It could have been because of a campfire or a signal or lightning. It could be most anything. But that bush looks different because I'm watching it now. And unlike these other bushes that have been on fire, it doesn't burn up. How does it not burn up? How does it keep on burning? I got to get a closer look. I get a little closer. Yep, that's a bush. Yep, it's on fire. Yep, it is not being consumed. And I get a little closer and hear a voice. Moses! I thought it was alone except for the sheep. And the sheep don't talk much. Maybe I imagined it. And as I get closer, I hear again, Moses, whoa, who's there? He says, I am the Lord. And I realize the voice is coming from the fire. I am the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I thought, oh, I really got to get closer now. And he said, stop. Take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. Now, I'm not you, and perhaps I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that if you ever heard God tell you, take off your shoes, you'd take off your shoes. I sure did. I didn't understand it then, but later I did. I came to understand the sandals I was wearing were, were the leather from a dead animal, and God did not want... An animal's death between me and him. He wanted something pure, something close. I took off my shoes, and I get closer thinking, what is going on here? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people back in Egypt. They've been in slavery a long time. I know that. He said, they've been crying out to me now. Finally, they're crying out to me and asking me for help. Very smart of them. And I've decided to do something about it. Now, I didn't say this out loud to him, but I was thinking, about time. <laughs> he said, I'm going to have them delivered. We're going to bring them out of slavery in Egypt, and I'm going to bring them to a promised land, the land I promised Abraham. That's a good Lord. Go do that. He said, it's going to be great. They're going to, they're, they're going to need this salvation, and they're going to need a leader. I agree with you, Lord. He said, I picked you. And I said, say what? He said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Excuse me, there's a warrant for my arrest. I think that's a bad idea. Pick somebody else. He said, you're going to go. And you're going to tell the people that I have sent you to lead them. Right. And they're going to believe me. I've been gone all this time. I just show up. They don't know me. They didn't like me before. Now their children cannot like me. Why would they believe me? I won't get into all the details of that day, but the one that sticks out in my mind is when he says, Moses, what do you hold in your hand, Moses? What do I hold? I've got nothing. I used to have about everything. I had wealth. I had fame. I, the fortunes and the wonderfulness of life, I used to have it all. And then when I stood up for you one time, 
It cost me everything. Now I've been living by the grace of another man, working for him every day with nothing to show for it. Nothing. I got nothing. I don't even have pockets. He said, what are you holding on to, Moses? I said, no, don't. well, this rod. He said, throw it down. What? He said, let it go. I said, Lord, look, 80 years, all I've got to show for my life is this. It's just a stick. Can I keep it, please? What's the big deal? He said, throw it down. I said, Lord, and he said, let it go. I said, all right. And I heard the hissing, and I looked. It's a snake. I don't like snakes much. I don't know about you, but I don't like, I don't even like the little ones, and this one's a big one. I said, thanks a lot. You can have it. Yours now. And I start to walk off. He said, Moses. I said, what? He said, pick it up, Moses. Oh, right. I <laughs> Pick it up, Moses. I said, Lord, look, I've been here for 40 years. You just got here. Let me tell you something. You never pick up a hissing snake. He said, pick it up, Moses, <sighs> by the tail. I said, what? No, 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 no. You never pick up a hissing snake by its tail. Pick it up, Moses. All right. <sighs> oh, golly. Could you have it look the other way? How'd you do that? And the Lord said, do you know what I've done, Moses? Yeah. Do you know what it means, Moses? No. No. What does it mean? He said, what did you let go of? What did you throw down? My rod? He said, so whose was it? Yours? He said, so what did you pick up? Oh, the rod of God? He said, yes. Now with this, you're going to go and set my people free. And sure enough, that rod and I got to be pretty good friends. I watched the parting of the sea. I watched victory in battle. We watched water come from a rock. It's a lot better stick than when it was mine. I'm here today to ask you to learn the same lesson. That there are some things we hang on to that God would say, let it go. I don't know you, so I don't know what you're holding on to that would be so important to you. I know some things about your culture. I've heard some words in heaven. But some of you uh, hold, literally hold in your hands these things with lots of buttons on them, and you push the buttons and find, find comfort in that, I guess. Is it yours or is it God's? If God doesn't want you to have it, then maybe you shouldn't have it. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying let it go. And if he tells you to pick it up, it's yours and you can have it. I'm talking to some of you who have relationships in your life, and you hang on to that friendship, that relationship, even though you know it might not be right. It might not be godly. It might not be good for, for you or the other person. And I'm saying, 
let it go. Let that friend go. And if, if God says, I don't want you with that person, then you need to step back. And if he says, now you can have that person because now you're going to be there as one of my people in that relationship, then it's a different thing, isn't it? It's God's relationship with you involved in it, not just yours. Some of you hold tight to your wealth. Is it yours? Did not God let you have it? Some of you hold tight worrying about your, 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 well, or your health or, or, or other things, your possessions of some kind. And you're saying, oh, I, I've got to have that status symbol. Well, does it belong to God or is it yours and you don't want to let go of it? If God says you can pick it up again, then it's all right for you to have it. If he's saying, I want that out of your life because I want something else, do it. Let it go. I would point out something to you. I spent a lot of time with this dick hanging on like this, ready to defend against wild animals or whatever. It was a good friend. But it's better to be holding the, the rod of God. While I'm holding this, you know what I can't do? I can't hold on to something else. And if God is going to tell you, as I hope you'll ask him, Lord, is there anything in my life I need to let go of? I hope at that time when you hear the Spirit speaking to you, you'll understand that if my hands are full of the something else, I can't take something new. God might want to put a blessing in your life and you can't take it because you're too busy hanging on to something else. You're hanging on to yours when you could be having what is God's. Let it go. Be ready to let go of what? Everything. I'm thinking of a person I've met who changed my life a bit. Perhaps you've heard of him. His name is Jesus. Talk about somebody who had everything. And he emptied himself of that. And became a servant of God to do his bidding. And because he let go of everything and went to the cross, God gave him not only a name that is above every name, but God gave him a kingdom that is beyond all kingdoms. And you and I can find the same wonderful deal with God if you'll let go of the things that you've been treasuring and open up your lives and say, Lord, yes, pour out for me a blessing so great I can't take it in. I read it in your word. I want it for my life. I've held on to some things that were not right and good for me. But I'm ready to say no more because I want to be ready for what's next from you. I'm ready to surrender every wealth, every friendship, every, my job, my home, whatever it might be. I want it to be your thing in my life and not just mine. You understand? You have your life. Let it go. Pick up the life of God, what he has in mind for you. I tell you, you'll never regret it. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for coming into our lives with a story so great, so true, that it can touch any and every life around us. Make of us better witnesses 
because we have given up the world and taken up Jesus. I would ask your favor that you would help us. Some of these people here know well what I'm saying today. This is a good group of people, Father. But oftentimes we, we hang on to some things that we know are wrong habits, wrong relationships, wrong whatever. And I would ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to each person's heart and say what it is that needs to be let go so that we can find ourselves in the blessedness and the promised land of of your future for us as part of the kingdom. And I thank you for that now, for all of us, in the name of your Son, Messiah Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.